Great hand. Thank you, guys. Wonderful presence of the Lord. Wonderful presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. If you, you didn't get engaged, if your heart is not stirred, your spoon is broken. That's all I can tell you. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to tell you that as we get into the sermon, I don't even like to call it sermons. It sounds so liturgical. I mean, no, I'd rather have a message from the Lord. Sounds like a message. That sounds better. A message. But don't forget, today's the deadline to buy your tickets for the Stained Glass Theater. Our one and only Jenny Sivers is going to be in it. She's being coming back around here. So it's good. And if you don't know the address, find the address somewhere to the Stained Glass Theater. It's in Ozark, 50 and over. We're going to have some great fellowship. It's going to be a great time, and we're going to bless uh, bless them. So it's going to be a great day today. Don't forget, we don't have services tonight. And then after service, dads, dads, Krispy Kreme donuts. Curtis, thank you. And Krispy Kreme, thank you for making that connection. Uh, we know Curtis is no longer with him, but um, but he has still got the love and the connection. He's still got the sweetness rolling over there at Krispy Kreme. So help me appreciate Curtis. And so Pastor Bear is uh, is going to um, he's going to be outside. If you put any sugar on the carpet of this church, other than the love in your heart, uh, we're going to have you here cleaning up next week. We had a wedding this weekend. Uh, Danielle and, and uh, Phil. Uh, they're, now they're Philip and Danielle Boren. Boren. Amen. And there are somewhere on honeymoon, maybe. Yeah, it was good. And thank you, Old Grove, for loving them. And thank you for taking care of them and having a great, great uh, wedding and reception yesterday. Long day, great day, hot day. It was hot. I got in my car after it was over about 4 o'clock by the time we got out of here. And my temperature gauge in my car said 105. Man, I'm thinking, I love the Ozarks. In Louisiana, it would have been 125 with the humidity. So I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. So get you a donate. Uh, donate to Speed the Light and get you a donut. It's a donuts for dad. If you don't have any money, just take a donut. Don't feel bad. Today I'm speaking about a guilty conscience. Just teasing. Just teasing. <laughs> a father's legacy is what I want to talk about today. Man, I tell you, I... uh I know our fathers are not perfect, and I stand for one as a man who's not perfect and a father who's not perfect. But by the grace of God, he allowed uh, Melissa and I to raise two little girls, and now we have three grandkids, and we're very, very blessed. If you're a parent or a grandparent, you ought to say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's a wonderful blessing to be uh, in 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 the uh, kingdom and see your kids in the kingdom. If you're here today, I know Father's Day, Mother's Day can sometimes be depressing. For some people, parents are maybe not saved. Your children or grandchildren may not be saved, and we want to be sensitive to that. But how many know if you raise up your child in the way they should go, God makes a promise. How many believe in the promises of God? You keep on praying, mom and daddy, grandma and grandpa, because, because listen, if you keep on praying, God will keep on working. Amen? And those kids, we claim them in the name of Jesus. Anybody here? that has an amen to that, just shout amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. And so Kevin and Sherry, it's good to see you today. The Boggs, have, uh, do, they're doing ministry now in the Lake of the Ozark with the encounter ministry there. And so sometimes they're here, sometimes they're not. And we, we're glad to have them here on Father's Day. Gary made him come. They can't stay away from Oak Grove. Is that right? That's the truth. They love us and we love them. And happy Father's Day, buddy. Appreciate you and love you. I better get down to business so you can go eat with your family. 
And uh, I think we have reservations too. Uh, I made tuna fish for everybody. Just easy. Just easy. I feel, I feel like I better get down to business. Today is, uh, is uh, Father's Day, so we, uh, we wanted to talk about the Holy Spirit and Dad. Uh, but the more, more importantly, mentoring and training and investing and pouring into your children and grandchildren. That'd be, that'd be the first place you ought to stop on the evangelism journey. I mean, oh, you win your family. Win your family. It's a good place to start. And then your neighbors and then your Jerusalem, your Judea and then other most parts of the earth. But, uh, so please, please today, uh, know that, that if you have children that are not with you or with the Lord, that that uh, as long as there's a Jesus who's alive, and how many believe he is, then we're going to be okay. Amen? So let's look at it. I put new batteries in this. Let's see if this works. What? Second Timothy 1, 1 through 7. It works. Fresh batteries. Guess what? how many batteries, Elizabeth, I had up there? Two. And guess how many this takes? Two. You say, Pastor, that's not the Holy Ghost. Hey, everything that happens here, the Holy Spirit does could have been one or none and i couldn't be able to do my powerpoint right so god is good i think our goal here at oak grove is to leave a legacy right we want to leave a legacy that's why we're building that building we don't need debt we don't want debt we don't want to hit your pockets we don't want to take any money that you don't have it's already in your gas tank but we're trying to leave a legacy oak grove has been around 75 years should the Lord tarry, how many know there needs to continue to be a strong church at the corner of 1320 South Oak Grove Avenue? You had it for your children, grandchildren. It's, it's, it should continue on for the next generation. And I'm, for that, I'm very grateful for your giving. And so 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 7, Paul's talking. He said, I'm apostle of Jesus Christ. How? Are you looking at it? By the will of God. I just want to stop right there. This is not the will of man. Paul, says, I didn't call myself. He said, I was knocked down. I was on my way to persecute the church. I thought I was doing good for Yahweh. I was a God-fearing Jew doing uh, all that the law requires us to do in Judaism. I'm going to do away with these people of the way, these Jesus people. I'm going to do away with them because I got the right papers from the right people, and I'm going to put them to rest. And as he was going to Damascus, uh, the mid midday sun shone brighter. Brighter than the midday sun. How many know the S-O-N is brighter than the S-U-N? And so Jesus, a risen Christ, our Savior, came down and blew his mind, blinded his eyes, put him in the dirt. Can I just tell you, sir, if you don't humble yourself, the Lord knows how to humble you. You'll be sucking sand or you can just surrender. But this is what happened to Apostle Paul. Saul of Tarsus, he was, he was on the ground and, and, uh, and blinded and he, and he, and he said, Lord, first thing he said was, Lord, Acts chapter nine, right? I know I'm in first, I'm just giving you a little setting. Lord, who are you? In other words, whoever you are, you are the Lord. Now listen, in America today, we got a lot of teaching on leadership, but what we need is teacher teaching on lordship. Because how many know he's more than just our Savior? He's our Lord. Amen? He's more than just our Father. He's our Master. He can change us and transform us and discipline and teach us, encourage us and help us. How many love Jesus this morning? 
He's our master. He's our Lord. So, Lord, I'm in this thing by the will of God. Second thing he said was, what would you have me to do? So he wasn't an apostle by the will of Apostle Paul. He wasn't like self-called, self-made. He's saying, I'm an apostle by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. So important here because he's in Rome. He's writing his last letter to his son, Timothy, who he wants to influence for the glory of God. And this is what he said in the in the uh, promise of life. So he's facing death, talking about the promise of life. Facing death, talking about the promise of life. I mean, you got to get an eternal perspective, dad, mom, grandma, grandpa. If you don't get an eternal perspective, you can lose your way down here. He's in a Roman prison, maybe a little hole in the in the ceiling where they drop down food. He's going to the restroom or right there in a cold dungeon, very dark, damp place. Hey, look up here. It's okay. Babies can cry. I mean, no, that's the gift of God. That's a gift from the Lord. That's the sound of life. Somebody ought to help me out here. All babies are welcome at Oak Grove. And, uh, and, and so, and they're welcome in the nursery. So, so awesome. So awesome. But it's a gift of God. It's, it's a gift from the Lord. And he's saying, listen, I am here in the will of God according to the promise of life, which Christ is in Christ. There is no life outside of Christ. What he's saying is, in essence is, I can be uh, awaiting persecution and death tomorrow, but today in the prison I still have life because I have Jesus. That's what he's saying. So he's writing to Timothy, a beloved son. Every phrase here, I wish I had time, but every phrase is so powerful. He's not just any son. He's a beloved son. Remember what uh, Jesus heard from his father when he was getting baptized, beginning his ministry? So now Paul's helping Timothy, who's beginning his ministry. Are you seeing that? So Father God said to Jesus, this is my beloved son, who I'm very well pleased. You remember that? Now let's go over here. Paul's talking to Timothy. You're my beloved son. And look what he says. Three things to you, son. Grace, mercy, and peace. From God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Not from me. I'm limited, but they are unlimited. How many are thankful for the Holy Ghost? Man, he can give you grace, mercy, and peace when you never can find it from any other way. I appreciate pastors and counselors and teachers and workers and helpers in the church. But how I many only the Lord can give you what you need? And it seems to me that ministers today might could use a double dose of, of grace and mercy and peace. It seems to me, I am a minister. And you heard in the many writings of Paul, two times talking to Timothy, Titus, Philemon, others, said grace and peace to you, grace and peace to you. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and take the whole bundle. You can keep two. I want three, especially that middle one, mercy. Anybody here could use a little bit more mercy? Could anybody here use a little bit more mercy? Okay, there you go. If you don't answer, I'll come over here. All right, so I need everybody involved today. Perk up your ears and listen. God's got a word for us. Amen? Pastor Ron needs mercy. The only way to get mercy is to learn how to give mercy. Everybody's demanding be merciful, be kind, be gentle, you know, be tolerant. But they don't want to tolerate anybody else. You know what the abortion agenda today is? It's not pro-choice. It's pro-death. It's pro-abortion. You let me kill whoever I want to kill and don't say nothing about it. 
That's what their agenda is. How many know it's very aggressive? It used to be a choice, maybe they thought, maybe in the beginning. Now it's so, oh, it's a bad deal, folks. And so is any other agenda that's pending in America. Very aggressive. And as the day of the Lord approaches, how many know it gets more and more aggressive? Shut the church down and let us do whatever we want to do. That's basically anarchy, martial law. No one can tell me what to do. Can it, is it okay if pastor just lets go and preach today? So mercy, peace, grace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank God, he says, whom I serve with a pure, pure conscience. Pastor Mark, I can't get past the text today, and I need to uh, interview my brother Mason. I'm looking forward to it, Mason. In fact, Mason, just to give anybody hope, why don't you get up and come on up here? You look so good in your three-piece suit and tie. Uh, I think that ought to be a standard every week now. You done put yourself in a hole. Come on, give God praise for Brother Mason Weddle. Find you a seat up here, brother. In fact, I wanted three of those stools. I want you to grab that other stool over there, Mason, and, and put them in a row. One, two, three chairs. A pure conscience. Wow, I don't know if I have time for that. First Timothy 1. Uh, verse 3 said, I thank God whom I serve as my father's forefathers did. That's legacy living. My fathers, my forefathers lived it. Now I'm living it. And now I'm going to pass that on to Timothy. We're about to do this. Right? We're about to show you firsthand. It's legacy living. And so he says, keep the faith alive, people. How did they serve God? With a clear conscience before God. A clear conscience. Man, have you ever had a guilty conscience? Anybody? Mason, have you ever had a guilty conscience? And listen, when you were running from the Lord, was it bad? Yes. Hey, did you have a guilty conscience? Very much. Could you sleep at night? No. Okay, good. That's where we want you. Stay right there, Mason. He's really helping pastor a lot. We're going to get this thing through. How many of you have ever disappointed yourself, disappointed your family, disappointed God, felt disappointed. So with a clear conscience, he says, my forefathers served God and so do I. And he speaks of having a good conscience in Acts 23, 1. And in 1 Timothy 1, 4 through 5, he warns against false teachers. See, the, the, the conscience is a God-given indicator. The conscience is not a, it's transformative. It's not transformative. It's just an indicator. Of right and wrong. Are you with me? That's the conscience. And so God gave it to us. The spirit alone is the one who transforms us. But the conscience kind of leads us to right and wrong. And that's how he did it. And the Bible also speaks of a seared conscience. First Timothy four, uh, chapter, uh, four and verse two. The conscience is a, is, um, is supposed to be helping us. But people today have seared their conscience with a, uh, with a hot iron. It means, it means that if you don't have a conscience, if it's seared, if it's separated from your moral being, then guess what? You, you're not sensitive anymore. It's an insensitivity. It's a sensitivity to the voice of God, to the things of God. And when it's been seared, severed, cauterized, then you're desensitized. How many know America has become desensitized to the things of God? Mason, I'm going to get with you, but I got to preach a little bit. I just feel it. Wow. Uh, we've been made in the image of God with the ability to know right from wrong. And if the conscience is seared, cauterized, then it has been rendered insensitive to God. It doesn't work right because spiritual scar tissue, scar tissue has set in. False teachers have duped us. Even preachers 
Even preachers have tickled our ears and, and comforted our hearts and tell us we can be whatever we want to be and do whatever we want to be. And it's true. In Christ. But we're talking about doing whatever you want to do in church. How I many know in church I've seen a lot of people do bad things. But in Christ I've never seen anybody go wrong. Because your conscience is not seared. You're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. First Timothy 4, 1 and 2. The Spirit clearly says, in the last days, some will abandon the faith. Are you hearing that? It's a setup, setup for our talk here. They will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. False teachers are a mouthpiece from the devil. The world is a mouthpiece trying to de- defy our God, desensitize the people of God. Wear out the saints of God. Hypocritical lies. Wearing a mask. Pretending to be something that they're not. It's not a clear conscience. Are y'all with me? All right, so we better get into Mason. Let's get into it, Mason, before I preach and, you know, have nothing to say. But let me finish the text. (laughs) When I call to you, Timothy, in remembrance of your genuine faith. Mason's going to represent Timothy today. And and humble as that sounds, I'm going to represent Paul. Okay, that's that's hard to say, but that's what I'm going to do. Paul says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith or the sincere faith, that is in you. That is in you, Mason Well, And how did it get there? Well, it first dwelt in your grandmother. What's your grandma's name? Nyla. And your mother, Serena. You can change the names, but how many know it's grandmother and mother? So Nyla and Serena, you could say through your, it was first in your grandmother, Nyla, and now it's it's in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded it's in you. It's in, did you bring up the third chair? All right, you're supposed to be in the second chair. You're Timothy. I'm Paul. It's not a position of arrogance. It's not a first place. It's the one who's investing in another. Are you following that? Today, we're so caught up in positions and titles that we forget the purpose of what we're trying to do. Paul's pouring into Timothy. Timothy, uh, notice there's an empty chair. There's an empty chair here, folks. So, so Mason's got a job to do, doesn't he? Help me out here. Pastor's going to invest, and he's going to invest. So the next time we preach this, Mason, you're going to be sitting here, and whoever you're investing is going to be sitting there, and the chair is going to be empty. I mean, that's discipleship in a nutshell. Paul told Timothy, hey, everything I invested in, thing, in you, everything you heard from me, I want you to, to likewise do for other people so that, so that this gospel can continue to go forward. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm convinced that and persuaded that it's in you. Therefore, I remind you, Timothy, Mason, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul laid hands on him. I laid hands on this guy quite a few times. For God, listen, read the last verse with me. For God has not given us, but of, and of, and of. Somebody give the Lord praise today. I'm going to talk to Mason a little bit. Mason called me, said, Pastor, the Lord wanted me to give my testimony, and, and, I, and I'm nervous, and I want you to sit with me and help me. I said, I'm going to help you, bro. I'm going to help you. How many thanks is brave for Mason to do that? Yeah, I think so. I think it's awesome. So you get double popcorn today. Thank you, Mason. You uh, you have it in your heart, or do you need something to read? Or you have it? In, okay, pull it out. 
Pull it out. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. I'm sorry to block you. Uh, um, so I'm going to ask him a few questions. Mason grew up here. And uh, so how did you get to Old Grove and how old, you know, were you and what's going on? How, how did all that start? When I first came to Oak Grove, it was just my mom, Serena, my brother, Brandon, and I. Uh, my dad had left, and it was a very hard time. And I was about six. And when you're six, you don't understand a whole lot of things. You just know your dad's not around. And so we, we come to church, and I didn't, you know, I wasn't saved. And mom had grown up in church, and it was kind of new for all of us, kind of learning. And But the whole church just had a lot of love. and and understanding and, and help guide, especially when I was growing up with, with Brother Max. Remember, JBQ, Ben and I, we'd have JBQ, and you'd, you'd come in and always encourage us, and Mark McBain with Children's Worship and just several other people, um, Josh Madsen, um, Ralph Heisterman, just all kinds of people that, that put time and effort into encouraging me, and it, it means a lot. Amen. And so when you came as a child, you were about seven, six. A six-year-old young man came into this church, went into Royal Ranger program, found a lot of men in the church. Um, and his single-parent mom, Serena, was there and uh, raising two boys, uh, one of which, Brandon, is in the ministry today. And here's Mason, who's come back to God and is making great strides and being making up for time loss. We couldn't be more proud of you. This is our beloved son whom we are well pleased, right? The same thing, same thing. So so how did Oak Grove and its men affect your life? I, I mean, uh, you know, in our interview before this interview, he said, Pastor, I never thought I'd ever slip away. Nobody ever thinks you would slip away. So so prior to you slipping away from the Lord, how did they affect you and what happened and why, what, what led you to slip away? The church has a lot of great men in it. There's Gary Rowe in the back. Hi, Gary. And he really became a big mentor growing up through Rangers. And then he took it so far he married my mom. So <laughs> that that changed things a lot because now he has more than one role. You know, he's he's my mom's husband, and he encourages her, and he's still in Royal Rangers. And then... He was in a father role, and I didn't know how to make the best of it. It was difficult, but we got through it. And then slipping away, it, you kind of lose your identity. You know, you, you become 18, and you're, you're expected to have your whole life figured out and planned everything, and you're like, I, I'm just, I don't know. And it, it's, it's easy to feel lost, and, and you worry about other people will judge you and how they'll respond. and and so you, then you kind of hide in shame and you don't want to come. And it just kind of builds until you get to a point you don't even realize where you're at or how you got there. But there's hope because you come back. I never thought I'd be here either. <laughs> I never thought I'd get in front of all of you and speak. That's wow. <laughs> but it's God, God can reach you no matter where you are in life. He can he can encourage you. You just have to listen to him. 
Amen, brother. So when we were talking, he said, I never thought I'd be there in a place where you're slipping from God. And then even just uh, Friday, he said, I never thought I'd be here. So sometimes you just don't really imagine where you could be uh, without the help of the church and the men of God, the women of God, the influence of God in the church. And then uh, and then even coming back, Mason, you, you said, never I never thought uh, that that I'd be here. But you also said, God never stopped speaking to me. And I may have stopped listening. So you said your hesitation would be that I thought I might be judged. Talk about that a little bit. A lot of you have been mentors to me and a large part of the church. And I felt like I was I disappointed you. I felt I felt like I was supposed to have everything together and be encouraged and and the whole world's in front of me. And you know, everything was so focused on church. If you, you come to church, you pray, all my friends are at church, and you, you kind of lose yourself in, in kind of getting caught up in everything. You, you, you don't know who, who are you. And, you know, I have, I have friends that have took that to their identity is in church, and they've, grown, and they've stayed in church, and they're doing wonderful. And I have friends that have slipped away, and they went a lot darker path than I did. But I still hope for them. People that I never even imagined that we'd all been together on youth and, and we went to all these outings. And then 10 years later, you look back and you're like, where where are they? What, what happened to all of us being together as children and promising, oh, we'll never slip away. We'll never fail. And. When did that moment happen? A couple weeks ago. I've been back so a little while. You get to a point in your life where everything kind of falls apart. Nothing, nothing really blossoms the way you hope. And you, you you get to where you 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 have to come back to what you understand and know. You have you have to get to a point where you have to think. This is my life now, but my life here was so much better. And God was was with me, and and I'm I'm so lost and scared and alone that I don't know what what tomorrow is or what today is. And so you, you just, you reach out and cry out to God and every bit of your soul cries out. And then next thing you know, you're walking into church and someplace you said you never come back to. And when you came in, uh, the hope, hopefully the door was open and hope came back to your heart and church. And obviously here you are. So one of the first things we did, Mason, when he came back, was put him in the discipleship class immediately. A lot of children are growing up in church and yet not being discipled. And I praise God for Royal Rangers and, you know, the girls' ministries and youth and all of that. But we have to continue to focus on discipleship. And I know it's a two-way street. It's a two-way street. There has to be reception from the one being discipled. There also has to be 
uh, intentional uh, investing uh, on the one who's making the disciple. So I thank God for what God is doing in us and in the church and for Mason. And may it be multiplied over many times for every young man or woman, boy or girl who comes into this house. Could I hear a loud amen to that? Amen. And so closing statement for you. I'm going to finish preaching. Uh, if, 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 if he says, if, if you're here today and you think there's a distance between you and your father, there is not. Mason says he's always been there. Last word. When you look back on your life, you can see a lot of things that you don't notice at the time. And you see how God's helped you through things. Even when things were difficult and you was turning a deaf ear and trying to hide, God was still there and still loved you and encouraged you. You just have to kind of open the door and let him in. It's not locked. God doesn't lock us out. We we might try to turn around and shut the door, but the door's open. And sometimes they open very forcefully and you're just overwhelmed. Well, Mason, here's the challenge for you. I love you. I'm so proud of you. And thank you for your bravery to come up here, your confidence, your boldness. Uh, but Pastor Ron sits in this chair. You're sitting in that one. Your, your assignment for your future is not without homework. Uh, there's an empty chair. And uh, whoever you uh, speak to, whoever you influence, whoever you talk to, whoever you minister to, uh, just know that there's a young man or, or someone waiting uh, for you to invest. So you, it's imparted from here. It has to go from there. Came from grandmother to mother and mother to you so it was in grandmother it's in it's in mother and it's in you are y'all hearing that it's in him he's got it he's got the sincere faith that god gave him so god bless you buddy pass it on pass the faith congratulations help me pull that over here and i can preach it on so one of the things that young people do is they they uh they go to church and they love god and they worship god but what they don't do max is they don't have a purpose so Brother, this is the purpose right here. This person with no name is your responsibility. Love you. Go get them. God bless you, man. Give it up for Mr. Mason. Woo, makes me want to shout, makes me want to cry. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Wow. Wow, wow. Timothy, Timothy. Paul prayed constantly for Timothy. Night and day, it says. What a what a comfort to know. Hey, Mason, we're praying for you night and day. Maybe not night and day. Paul was in prison, so he didn't have nothing else to do. Teasing. Teasing. We'll pray for you a lot and uh, because we want to see you make it. It's a powerful greeting, and he says, a happy remembering. I remember you. Paul says, I remember you, Timothy, uh, my spiritual son, whom I loved. And all he wants, Timothy... Uh, as a minister to do is three things. He wants him to have grace, mercy, and peace. And and we want grace, mercy, and peace for all of those who come to this house. And, and I want all three for sure. But but it seems there's tears in Timothy's eyes. I pray for you as, a, as I remembered you in your tears. In your tears. What a, what a comfort. But I'm wondering why Timothy is, why is Timothy crying? By the way, I want to say thank you, prayer partners. We're praying for Melissa and I. If you pray for us daily, thank you. It's no small thing. We appreciate it. And those of you who have been praying for America for the next 30 days, thank you. America needs it. 
Amen. Keep on praying. Some ministers seem to need it more. Grace. They're they're always ministering. So Paul prayed constantly and um and then he recalls their last meeting where there were tears. Probably Timothy has tears uh, as they depart, as they depart. In all the ministry, Melissa and I have been in the ministry 35 years now. Nothing's been more painful than leaving the people you love the most. This is not a resignation, by the way. Let's settle down. <laughs> uh, I'd be broke. I would be messed up if it was a day to, to leave you. Uh, but you know, right, Nathan, Tara, you're leaving. You're departing from the church. You're going to Papua New Guinea. In all the ministry, all the devils we fight, all the things we do, all the pain we face sometimes, struggling, serving, and all that, the hardest thing is leaving people you love the most. So when Timothy divided away from Paul, he knew Paul was going to Rome, and he was going for one reason. That was to, to give his life as a martyr. They're going to chop his head off. They're going to kill him. They're going to jail him in Rome. That's it. So there's tears. And so Paul was moved by Timothy's tears. Are you all with me? That seems like a very tight relationship. Because listen to me, pastoral role, okay, is not just positional. It's very personal. Very personal. You can go and find a church where you just got a preacher. I mean, oh, those are a dime a dozen. But you find yourself a pastor who cares about you. I mean, oh, that's very few and far between. Ask Bill and David. Isn't that right, baby girl? Welcome home. And so, and so Paul says, I'm filled with joy. At Timothy's sincere faith, when I recall your genuine faith, your sincere faith. Wow, that's a big word there. It's a faith that is it's in you. That's in you. It was in your grandmother. It was in, it was in your mother. And now it's in you. I know I keep on re- reiterating that and hitting that. But it's true. How many glad to find the faith of God is in you? That Jesus is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. It's in you. He saw it. He knew it. It's in you. Somebody shout, it's in me. It's in me. And where did he get it? He got it, the influence from, from his grandmother, Lois, Lois Lane, and also his mother, Eunice. What a legacy. So Timothy's faith was due to his godly upbringing. And they lived it. Listen to me. They lived it. And then they, and then they left it to their son. Nothing you're going to have in all the world than leaving your faith. Right? To Timothy. And so they, uh, they, then Paul says, I am persuaded that this, that this is it, that, that it is in you also. I was, it wasn't enough that faith, uh, that he had was in grandma and mama. Sometimes children to just go to church because grandma and mama go to church. Are you hearing me? Or daddy and grand, grandpa go to church. But listen, it has to get in them. It has to get in them. They can't just hear about God. So the church is a wonderful place where we can bring our children. But how many know, as teachers, leaders, and people in this congregation, our goal is to love those kids into Christ, not just into the church. So sometimes uh, sometimes the elderly in the church say, those kids are running around. Kids are running. Get rid of those kids. They're loud. You should have been in the Moran home when we tried to eat with 11 kids at the table. Used to, they used to put us out on the porch with the chickens. You ever try to eat chicken when a chicken's trying to eat your chicken? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm persuaded it's in you. And uh, it was also uh, had to be in Timothy. He had a personal faith, okay? It was a personal faith. 
It wasn't a faith of his grandma and them only. It started out that way, but you heard Mesa's testimony. I started out here, but it has to be internalized. It had to become in him. He had to get it. Mason had to get it. Aren't you glad he got it? Not it. He got him. So, so Paul said, uh, you've been, you've been, uh, left a legacy of faith. Therefore, stir up the gift of God. Look at this. Be bold, young man. Stir up the gift of God. That means that the gift of God can come into you internally, but that you have to do something too. You have to stir it up. A fire left alone goes out. Fire left alone goes out. You have to stir up the gift of God. He's saying, make it a big flame. You have to do something. You can't just expect God to just keep you fully alive all the time. You got to start praying, reading your Bible, going to church. Discipleship has to be going. Accountability. Hello. Right? And so this is what's happening. He's, he's encouraging. It was no put on faith. He had a, it was not a ceremonial faith. A lot of people have church faith, ceremonial faith. I go in and I go out. And listen, that's not the way it is. You have to have a sincere faith, a genuine personal faith that loves God, that te- loves God enough to do something about it. And so at some, at some moment in time, you have to get it. And it was genuine, meaning not hypocritical or a faith that is put on. It was, it was for real. So Paul says, be bold, stir up the gift. And uh, you have been left a legacy of faith, and now stir it up. Remember when I laid hands on you, he said. Don't forget that. It, it has to be stirred up. Don't be timid. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Now, Timothy had a personality that was a little bit standoffish, okay? doesn't mean his fire was out, but it needs to be stirred. Are you all with me? So Timothy was a man of God, a pastor at the church at Ephesus, and he 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 was concerned about confronting people. Can I tell you, if you're going to be in the ministry, you better get a class in kind confrontation. Sounds like an oxymoron because it surely feels like it. Sometimes pastor has to be firm. How many of you ever had to be firm to your children? My dad didn't know. He went to the next level of firm. He was six foot two, and when he pulled his belt off, it took about an hour. And his arms were long. When that belt came around, they should have called should have hotlined him. Today he would be in prison. God bless you, Dad. But that's not that's not abuse. That's love. And now we can't hardly touch anybody. We can't even say anything to anybody. Everybody's so sensitive, so sensitive. Reverse sensitivity. They really they really are desensitized because they want you to. Love them, love them, cuddle them, cuddle them. Don't discipline me. Don't correct me. Don't tell me what to do. And that it leads to anarchy. Why children are running in the streets? Why they they don't want anybody to rule? They'll live in a they'll live in a garbage can before they. I'm just saying it's a serious deal. And yet, what do we do? We build we build buildings and let the drug addicts take the drugs in a safe place where the needles are not in the street. How many of you know that is absolute stupidity of the spirit? I'm going to create a place for you to drug out. That's American theology. So I laid hands on you. How many know we need to lay hands on this next generation? Believe God for an outpouring of the spirit to correct them and lead them. Hey, it's in good that mom and daddy corrects you. It's good to be disciplined. You need a good whooping every now and then. That'll preach at a Pentecostal church. 
So he's saying, hey, Timothy, you have a tendency to be timid. You have a t- timidity. That's his name. Should it be Timothy? You have a you have a tendency to be timid, scared of confrontation, avoiding confrontation. You're gentle and kind and tolerant. But I'm telling you, Timothy, there are devils out there. They'll come into this church and they will wipe you out. You better stand up for something before you fall for anything. So those of you taking notes, let me say that again. You better stand up for something or you're going to fall for anything. And so he's saying, stir up the gift, buddy. Um, Stand up. Be strong in the Lord. Be courageous. Be confident in God. I know. I know you don't like confronting people, but sometimes you got to stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Sometimes you got to be the leader. And the, being the leader is not always pleasant. Being dad is not always pleasant. In fact, mom whooped me harder than my dad whooped me. I liked it when dad whooped me. Mom made me go get the switch. Because when mom whipped me, I had to get a double whipping because when dad got home, I got to get it again. I think I just say, mom, let dad do it. Okay, just one. Just one, please. I can handle one. Don't, don't beat me. I love the story. Melissa and I, we were in church in that last church in Rayville. And uh, I don't know if it was a wedding or what, but uh, a little kid got out of hand and uh, and the dad got him and grabbed him by the hand and was pulling him down the middle aisle. And the little kid reached back and said, pray for me. He's going to kill me. <laughs> Must have been five years old. Five years old. I say, go, dad. Take care of that boy. He needed it. Sometimes you got to stand on some issues. I'm tired of the people being bullied. I'm tired of pastors being bullied in the pulpit. Timid and scared to preach truth. I mean, oh, if they jail me, they jail me. If they kill me, they kill me. But the word of God must be preached. Right? Censor me, censor me. Take me off. I don't even want to be on. I have to like people just to know that I'm still alive and I'm not rude. Like, 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 like. Never seen a generation want to be liked so much. Like me, like me, like me. I might even start another uh, app. Love me. Love me app. Love, 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 love. Go fund me. Send me money. Send me money. Send money. I love that one. I've always wanted to need it, but I didn't. I would like to have a new Corvette. Fund me. Go fund me. So First and Second Timothy, there are no less than 25 different places where Paul encourages Timothy to be bold. Hey, Timothy, you need to know there's hardships coming. Is it okay for us to talk like this? There's hardships coming. We do need to re- restructure and restructure the church for discipleship, starting with the children. Thank God for Royal Rangers. I went to Royal Ranger International Breakfast with David just a few weeks ago. And uh, 80, 88, 88 places around the world, 88 countries around the world, they have Royal Rangers. And in America, it seems like they're fizzling out. Something's wrong with that picture. So Paul's saying, be bold. There are devils out there. No, there's hardships coming. We're in, it's inevitable. Persecution is coming, Timothy. You don't have, you, you're not supposed to be sitting back and whining and crying. You're supposed to stand up and be bold. Stir up the gift of God in you. God is in you, son. What are you doing shrinking back? The Lord is in you. Stand up and be counted. That's what he's saying. Like Joshua, as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Seemed like a bold confidence there. Inside and outside the church, there was 
persecution coming to Timothy. Paul's dying. And on his deathbed, in his last letter, he says to Timothy, hey, buddy, stir it up. Don't shrink back. Stir it up. Stand up. Be bold. And I'm telling to you, to Mason, to every young person, to every old person, and in between, be strong and courageous. A fire left to itself will burn out. But God wants to breathe. How many believe God wants to breathe on the fire in your heart? He wants to rekindle that fire to full flame. You need the Holy Ghost. If Gino was here, he would say, you need the Holy Ghost. He said it every year for 20 years almost. And I say it, amen. You need the Spirit of God. Timothy never lost his fire. He just needed a reminder to stir it up. God has not given us a spirit of fear. You can get excited because this is it. Chrissy, y'all can come on back, please. For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind. We've all faced situations. Oak Grove, we all face situations. Pastor Ron needs to stir it up. You need to stir it up. We all need to stir it up. It's easy to let the fire go out. All the influences, all the wind blowing, all the voices going. It's a lot of things going on. Everywhere you turn, it seems to be bad news. But I came to give you good news. I mean, oh, God's still on the throne and the church is still alive. And there's always going to be a remnant of people who are going to stand and be counted for God. Stop bowing to all the pressure and start asking God to give you his spirit. Spirit of what? Not fear. Not fear. The first thing to do is stop and say, this is not of God. If fear grips your heart, you need to stop and say, this is not of God. If your mind is confused today, listen to me online. Stop and say, this is not of God. But God didn't give me the spirit of fear and confusion, timidity. Come on now. So immediately, first thing you do as we close out, stop and say, this is not of God. It didn't come from God and it's not gonna, it's not gonna affect me. If you're feeling guilty for no reason, that's Satan condemning you. If you didn't do nothing wrong, you shouldn't have a guilty conscience. But Satan's always putting guilt on God's people. Who didn't do anything wrong. Right? So you got to get that conscience. Paul said I have a good conscience. All my life I've had a good conscience. How can he do that? Because he let go of his past. He let go of the fact that he was murdering God's people. He let that go. You know why? Because Jesus really did redeem him. And you keep on reminding yourself something that God already redeemed. You keep bringing up your past and it affects your future because you really don't believe Jesus saved you. How many know when Jesus saves you, you are saved? Oh, I hate to get that excited, but, but it excites me. Timothy, don't be shy and timid. Don't remember all that. You got a clear conscience before God, just like your grandma and your mama and me and all the forefathers that stood for God. So, God never makes me feel afraid. Maybe from my personality or a weak flesh or a demonic attack. But it's not from God. Can I get an amen? Fear is not from God. Faith is from God. We have this confidence in Him. That whatever we ask, believing it shall be done. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. How many know that takes faith? You got to start speaking different before you start living different. And before you can start speaking different, you got to start thinking different. Put the word of God in you. 
It's in you. Shout it again. It's in me. It's in me. So God never gives a spirit of fear. So what does God give us, pastor, as we go to the altar? Well, he gives us power. How many want more power? Three of you. Hallelujah. Maybe it's the reason you don't have it because you really don't want it. How many want more power from the Lord to live a godly life, to live a legacy? I need it. I want it. He gives more grace to the humble. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives power if you want it. What else does he give you, pastor? He gives you his love. Man, Jesus never did a miracle. And yet he had the acceptance and the love from his father. This is my beloved son. Hey, hey, Mason, you don't have to do anything else. I love you now and I'll love you forever. I want you to stay in with Jesus. Stir up the gift of God. Are you seeing that? Don't shrink back. Don't go away. It didn't pay. You heard Mason say it doesn't pay to go anywhere else except for in Christ. It'll leave you lonely. It'll leave you hurting. He'll give you power. He'll give you his love, his power, his love. And third one is a great one. A sound mind. How many know Americans could use a sound mind today? Anybody believe that? Some happened, I think it was long before COVID. But we lost our common sense. Common sense. Out the window. I'm scared to drive on the streets anymore. You know the two lanes? You had a light and you could turn late. You go left. Two lanes. Little old lady just chewed me out. Waved me down, not nicely, because I was in the left lane and she was going together. We were going. I thought she was a nice lady. I waved back. She was upset because I cut her off. She was coming in my lane. I said, honey, this is two lanes, not one lane. I need to call the DMV because y'all don't understand. And all the circles and all the, I'm just diamonds and circles. I just, when I used to drive, it used to be a whole lot simpler. I can imagine the older people are freaking out. It gives a sound mind. What is that? Calm, self-controlled, Christ-centered. Very sound mind. It's not frantic or anxious, panicked or confused. Never accept what God has not given you. Stand with me this morning and listen to me one more time. Never accept what God has not given you. Say it with me one more time. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound So never accept anything God didn't give you. And learn to walk humbly in what God has given you. A spirit of power, love, a sound mind, a stable mind. The gift God gives is fueled by grace through our prayers, through our faith, through our obedience, through our diligence. We keep on keeping on. Paul says, I'm not afraid or ashamed because I know in whom I have believed in. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard that which I've committed or entrusted to him against that day. God is able to keep my my grace alive and my faith alive in me. That's what he was saying. God guarded Paul's life and ministry and teaching. But then watch this. Verse 13 and 14 of chapter 1 didn't go there, but I want you to see it. What you heard from me, Timothy, keep it. Verse 14, guard this good deposit that was entrusted to you and guard it. How? With the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. It's in you. 
He's in you. And He will help guard the deposit of salvation. Jesus is in you. And the Holy Ghost is going to help guard you and guide you and lead you and love you. I mean, no, He's a good comforter. He's a good leader. We want the Holy Spirit, don't we? How many here would say, I want more of the Holy Spirit? Come on, let's sing a song to the Lord. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I'm a man. I don't have any children yet, but I want to leave a godly legacy. If you're a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, you say, I want to live a disciple life. I want to make a commitment to raise up young men and women. I want to be a difference maker. I want to be an investor, just like, just like Lois and just like Eunice. I want to lead them. Men, if you vacate your responsibility and role, God will use a woman. I said, God will use a woman anyway, but he has a divine. How many believe God has a divine order and a divine responsibility for a man? A woman can never take a place of a man. A man can only teach a boy what a man can teach a boy. And, And a woman can teach a girl what a woman can teach a girl. How many know there's only two genders, not 95? Two genders. Better get it straight. This world's confused and so confused. I was going to say confused as a termite and a wooden yo-yo. But every time I say it, my family says, don't say that. But I said, when I die, somebody's going to say it. Somebody's going to say it. So these altars are open. In essence, you're saying, Pastor Ron, I want to leave a legacy. But listen to me clearly. Go in Miss Chrissy's office. It's on her whiteboard. You can't leave a legacy you didn't live. You can't leave it if you didn't live it. So first you got to say, God, humble me. and Let me have grace and mercy and peace. So then I can pass that on to the next generation. These altars are open. Happy Father's Day. Have a great evening. You come. Spend some-